You are listening to our Southside Baptist Church podcast. For more audio content, please refer to our website, thisisbaptistchurch.com. Even when our flesh fails, you know, God never, never fails, you know. And you just praise the Lord for that. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you. We love you. We give you all the glory. Jesus, you are our Savior. You've redeemed us. You've bought us back. You have a plan and a purpose. Even when life throws us all kinds of curves, even when things go wrong in our life, even, dear Lord, when we feel like we're just a pile of, of ashes, as that, those, that song said a moment ago, you take those ashes and, and you make them into something that is your will, your purpose, your plan. And God, you're working in us. And Lord, there's none of us in this room that can look arrogantly or pharisaically and condemn anybody else. Lord, we are all sinners that have been saved by the grace of and the mercy of God. We are held by an unfailing love, a covenant that you will never, ever, um, you'll, you'll never, ever break. You love us. And Lord, may we trust your hand, may we trust your heart, and may we trust your heart when we can't see your hand and know that you're still the great potter. You're working, forming us, shaping us. And so, Lord, we ask you to be with us now. Lord, cleanse me, forgive me. Lord, let me be a tool in your hand. And I pray that for everyone in this room, and we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I want you to remain standing and take your Bibles, turn over to the book of Philippians, get over there in the New Testament, past the book of Ephesians, and you'll come to a small four-chapter uh, book there, letter written by the Apostle Paul called the Philippian, the book of Philippians. He wrote this to a church at Philippi. Now, uh, t- today I've titled the message, The Greatest Obstacle to Real Life Change. Okay, now I want you to stay with me. Everybody look this way. We've been looking at a series on change, and we started off, we looked at Joshua, in Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9, and We looked at this young man, I mean this man by the name of Joshua, in which God was taking the leadership of the Jewish nation from Moses and he's putting it in the hands of Joshua. And he tells Joshua, he says, Joshua, Moses is dead. Now I want you to lead these people. I want you to be strong and courageous. And God says that three times. And we said this, that sometimes, now I want you to listen, we're not able to move forward We're not able to embrace change in our life because we've been hurt in the past and we can't let go of that. I believe that when God said to Joshua, Moses is dead, I believe Moses had shaped Joshua into a man that God did not want. He was saying, Joshua, I need you to be strong and courageous. Sometimes you and I are affected by our past, by hurt, by pain, by people who have brought woundedness into our life. It can be your parent. It can be an ex. It can be a friend. It can be a boss. Somebody has brought hurt into your life and you can't seem to shake yourself free of that 
so that you can move forward with your life and embrace that change. And God wants you to move forward. Listen, listen. God has a plan and a purpose and a will for every single person in this room, regardless of what your past may look like. So Joshua, then we looked at this man by the name of Joseph, the, young, the son of Jacob, hated by his brothers, hated by his siblings, and eventually they resented him so much that they sold him to Ishmaelite traders who carried him down to Egypt, sold him to the slave market in Egypt. A man by the name of Potiphar bought Joseph. Potiphar's wife had a thing for Joseph, and before long she wore him down. Listen, men and women, adultery, sexual promiscuity, getting caught up in this flirtatious lifestyle can be dangerous to you and dangerous to your marriage. Potiphar's wife had it in for Joseph, falsely accuses Joseph, and Joseph spends 12 years in prison. Eventually, Joseph comes out of slavery, out of prison, and is second only to Pharaoh in command of all of Egypt. And in the end, when his brothers come back to Egypt because they're dying of famine to buy grain, remember Joseph confronts them with the evil that they had done to him many years before. And you remember Joseph when his brothers come and they're afraid that Joseph will kill them. Joseph said, you did not send me to Egypt. God did. And we said this, for you and I to embrace change, for you and I to move forward in our future, number one, there's some things we have to let go of in the past, some of that hurt, some of that pain, but we also have to remember this, God, you were sovereign even in my choices, consequences, and even in the pain and the hurt I was going through. God, you're still sovereign. God, you're still working out your plan, your will, your purpose, and so God, I need to trust you. Joseph was willing to let go of the bitterness, the pain and the hurt, even toward his brothers, because he recognized a sovereign God in control of his life. Until you and I do that, we can never move forward and, in, and move forward with the change that God wants to bring. Does that make sense? Now today we're looking at one of the biggest obstacles to change. One of the biggest obstacles to you and I being effectively used by Christ. And Paul gives it here in, in Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse 5. Paul said your attitude, the NIV says your attitude. Now you may have mind, you, have, you may have mindset, but I love the word attitude, and that's what we're talking about today. Because you see, the greatest obstacle, listen, everybody look this way, the greatest obstacle to you and I moving forward, embracing God's will, God's plan, God's purpose, God's change for our life, often is the attitude that we have. So Paul says here, he says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But look at those next words. But made himself what? Nothing. But made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness 
and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray again. Lord, we love you and we praise you. Guide us in this message, whether we be the one who speaks it or hears it. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Now, I, I, I want to I begin with a question. Let me ask you a question this morning. Do you have a, do you have a good attitude? Do you have a good attitude? What would other people say about your attitude? Now, I want you to think about that. Young people, children, you can listen to this one. Do you have a good attitude? And you might say, you might give an answer, but what would other people say? Those people that are around you. Uh, it could be your husband, your wife, your family, your children, your friends, people who work with you in a work environment. Would they say that you have a good attitude? Do you have a good attitude? Is your attitude positive? Or is it negative? Is your attitude neutral? You see, we're going to talk about that. You know what Winston Churchill said? Churchill said this. He said, the outlook, one's attitude, is a small thing, but it makes a big difference. Isn't that true? Churchill said that your attitude and my attitude, it's a small thing. It, it almost seems insignificant, but boy, it sure makes a big difference, doesn't it? Terry Bradshaw, quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Hall of Famer, made this statement. Listen to what he said. He said, he said, a bad attitude can destroy a team. You know, a bad attitude can destroy a marriage, destroy a family, destroy a work environment. A bad attitude, he said, Terry Bradshaw said, can destroy a team. It's infectious. Attitudes are contagious. You ever notice that? You know, Sheila's, Sheila's pretty much a positive person, but if I get a little bit of an attitude, it don't take long before I see my attitude coming back at me from her. You know, an attitude, it's contagious. It's infectious. It has the ability, you have the ability to either raise people's attitude, making people more positive, or if you stay around long enough, you begin to bring the temperature down. You're negative, you, you're, you're critical, you, you, don't, you don't have a good attitude. Listen to this quote here. I love this. Mom, listen to this. Be good for kids. A bad attitude is like a flat tire. You can't go anywhere until you change it. Isn't that good? A bad attitude is like a flat tire. You can't go anywhere until you change it. Now, I want you to look. Hebrews 12. Take a, take a left from Philippians. Go over there to Hebrews chapter 12. Real quickly. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. I want you to see this. In Hebrews chapter 12, um, let me see, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, watch this. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, that's what you and I need to do, the author and perfecter. Now that perfecter means the mature. He's maturing you and I in our faith. Uh, the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him 
endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I want everybody to look at it this way. Jesus had a joy within him that gave him the ability to endure the cross. Now everybody listen closely. Your ability to, uh, to rise above the circumstances that have been dealt to you right now, even if they're not good, is based on this. It's the mind of Christ. It's the heart of Christ. It is the ability to maintain a Christ-like attitude. Attitude is everything. Listen, I wrote this down. Happiness is not out there. It's in here. Everybody listen. Happiness, joy, contentment, peace. It's not out there. Where is it? Tap your chest. It's in your heart. It's in your heart. One writer said this. He said, one of the hardest things to change in life is attitude. He said, attitude can be acquired through parents. You see, a lot of times, if you and I are not careful, we had negative parents. We had those parents that just were not very good. You see, parents will either, listen to this mom, dad, will either be positive, affirming, glass half full kind of parents. You know what I'm talking about? You can explain that later. Some people see a glass half empty. Some people see a glass half full. It's how you look at it. Positive, affirming, glass half full kind of parents. They see the best in people. They believe as followers of Jesus Christ that regardless of the situation, that God will work it for his good. Listen, mom and dad, that's the kind of parent you want to be. Positive, affirming, encouraging, building up. But a negative parent, fault-finding, poor-mouthing, a victim, complaining 24-7, half-empty kind of glass person. These are individuals. Everybody's out to get us. We live in fear. We're not living in faith. My friend, that's what you don't want to be as a parent. Because children copy what we live out before them. Let me tell you something. You hear me. If you don't hear anything else, some of you parents are disappointed in your children. And the reality is, and this is going to be painful to say, but some children perfectly emulate exactly what has been lived out before them by you. And sometimes parents resent in their children the very qualities and characteristics that in all reality they themselves implanted into the life of their children. Mom, Dad, you got a bad attitude? Don't be surprised if it is reflected back to you through the children that you are raising. They pick up on it. You know, some people think, well, if I just had married to somebody different. You know, marriage after marriage, job after job, looking for change. But you know, real, you know, if I just had a different husband, if I just had a different wife, if I just had different kids, if I just had a different job, if I, just had a di- if I went to a different church, if I had a different pastor, then God, Jesus Christ, would say, no, you don't need any of that. You need a new heart. You need a new attitude. You need the mind of Christ who endured the cross because of the joy that was set before him You know, the tragedy is, and I wrote this down, sometimes you and I spend our life blaming everybody but ourselves. 
We blame, our, we blame our attitude on our circumstances, our situation. We believe my attitude would be different if I worked in a different location, if I had a different spouse, if I had better kids, if I had a different kind of boss, if I attended a different church, if my pastor were more understanding, if I had better friends. You see, attitude is everything. And your attitude and my attitude can affect everything about our life. Listen to what a, I, I read a thesaurus is just kind of getting an idea of some of the alternate words for attitude. Listen to this. Mental outlook, disposition, frame of mind, opinion, view of life. Attitude goes on, could be defined as our response to people, places, things, events in life. It can be defined as a person's viewpoint, mindset, beliefs. And listen to what it went on to say, just reading in a thesaurus and even in a dictionary. Our attitude determines the choices that you and I make. You know, I, I did some research on this, and I, according to psychologists, there are four kinds of attitudes. There's a positive attitude, there's a negative attitude, there's a neutral attitude, and then there's what we call a sicken attitude. Now, not sicken, S-I-C-K-E-N, but it's used, in, it's a term used by, in psychology, S-I-K-K-E-N. Now, let me give you a description of each, and I want you to determine where you fit. Positive attitude. Now, listen to what most psychologists would say. And this may be long, but it's good. Positive attitude. Because this will help you determine if you have one or not. The people with a positive attitude move forward with confidence and optimism. They, hey, well, that rules out the church, doesn't it? Because I don't know about you, but on Facebook, Twitter, and everywhere else, you think the world's come to an end because this political party didn't win out or that particular individual didn't win out. Or, you know, think the world's coming to an end or all of that. You see, that's contrary, a positive attitude. Listen to that. Moves forward with confidence and optimism. That's why you and I are looking, fixing our eyes on Jesus, not on politics. They remain happy and cheerful. Their dealings with others are comprised of sincerity. They are blessed with a sense of responsibility. They remain flexible in their approach. On the mission field, the number one requirement to be a Southern Baptist missionary, the number one word they said over and over again was that a missionary had to be flexible. Are you flexible? They remain determined in their task. They are the most reliable people. Tolerance is a hallmark of their personality. They're not rigid, stiff, tolerable. Toleration, tolerance is a hallmark of their personality. On account of their flexibility, they remain willing to adapt according to new challenges and situations. They're not easily discouraged. They're modest and they keep themselves in a low profile. They're team builders. And even though they are not low profile, these people have a great degree of diligence. Is that you? Let me read negative. Negative attitude. A negative person, negative attitude, will always be searching for weaker elements 
of others' personalities. They're not inclined toward positive elements. Their focus remains on bad people, avoiding good people. They're likely to complain about changes. They don't like adapting to changing environments. They might blame their failures on everybody but themselves. These, this person is prone to extreme degrees of anger, carrying sentiments and unforgiveness, filled with hatred. Their approach is choked with pessimism and their behavior is fraught with frustration. They always doubt the credibility of others. They remain jealous of other people's achievements. They feel themselves inferior. They suffer from a self-styled superiority complex. Wow. And you're like me, you're going, oh Lord, please don't let me be like that. Now this is a strange one. I want you to listen. A neutral attitude. A, a person with a neutral attitude, you may think, well, that's, 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 that must be pretty good. They remain indifferent to problems. They wait for others' intervention regarding resolutions. This type of person remains self-satisfied, complacent, apathetic, indifferent. Their attitude is composed of indifference, a detachment. Another striking element of their attitude is they're serene, unemotional in their posture. It's implicit versus explicit. Implicit means that this person is not even aware of it. It's at an unconscious level. And it may result from past experiences or influences or how they've been raised. It's pretty bad, isn't it? You ever seen people like that? They're just here. Sheila was telling me about an individual that... Um, she was talking about this particular individual, and it doesn't, it's not, doesn't go here, but I said, uh, I said her problem is, is her husband is so apathetic, indifferent, detached, complacent, that the reality is, is that she's miserable in her marriage. And she's blaming everybody but the truth. But the second is the one that troubled me the most. I want you to listen. S-I-K-K-E-N, it could be sicken, S-I-C-K-E-N, sicken attitude. Sicken attitude is the most dangerous attitude because it reflects the state of the mind's negativity. It possesses enough potential to destroy itself and everyone and everything around them. Do you know those kind of people? Immediately, I think some people come to mind they are negative about every single thing that comes out of their mouth. Sometimes, sickened attitude, sometimes it's assumed to be synonymous to a negative attitude, but it's more destructive than the negative attitude. Why? Because it is usually implicit. Now, when you hear implicit, that means it's in the subconscious person may be this way, they're not even aware of it. They don't even realize how negative they are. I had an individual the other day talking to another individual. He came back after a conversation. He sat down, looked at me and said, wow, that makes me want to put a bullet in my head. Because the person was just absolutely so negative. 
It's implicit. It's in the subconscious. It's an attitude that cannot be amended without true conversion and counseling. This person can't come out of this attitude unless they are truly converted to Christ, and even beyond that, they need counseling. An implicit sickened attitude is often affected by childhood experiences, parental input. Negative attitude is usually aware of it, but this person is not aware of it. It's in their subconscious, in their psyche. And it can be extremely damaging not only to them, but to those who are around them. It must be confronted because of the potential for heartache to everybody close to that person. Parent, listen again. Guard your child against this type of person because they can do irreputable damage. And I want to say even to those that may be listening by live stream, sometimes you have to intervene, intercede for your children even against your own spouse. And you notice I'm being extremely serious because I'm counseling with children next week. I'm counseling with young adults, young families that the reality is there's been great damage. Guard your child against this type of individual because they can do irreputable damage. And you know what's so sad about this? Our platform at Southside is so minimal because you share everything but a message like this. Ledge, uh, Ledge loves Caesar Milan. He's the dog whisperer. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The dog whisperer. I've got where I just watch him all the time. I think, Philip, I think he's a little therapeutic to me. And the guy is unbelievable. I mean, this guy is unbelievable. And right now, I've been watching where he is, and a lot of times I watch it on YouTube and watch some of the old episodes, but Caesar Milan says this about a dog. He says, first of all, he says, you're the pack leader. He says, you own that dog. The dog's not the pack leader. You're the pack leader. And if you're nervous, if you feel incapable, unable, if you're filled with fear because you're afraid how your dog's going to behave when you go outside and take it for a walk, then that dog picks up on it and they feel like they're the pack leader and they're filled with fear and anxiety. And, and, and he goes, I watched him one day, a dog bit him. I mean, some of the encounters that he has is just unbelievable, but he's the dog whisperer. It's as if he's in the head of a dog. And, and, and I was watching this one British household where they had, had, had this crazy dog and he gets up there and he's trying to teach his dog not to bolt out the door as soon as the door is open and get killed. So this dog is looking at him. Now he can tell by the appearance of the dog, how it holds its ears, everything about it, even the way it looks in its eyes, as to whether the dog thinks it's a pack leader or he is. And so the dog gets at a certain point and he'll stop and he'll say, the dog's brain is locked. It's almost like it's locked up. And he'll reach down and he does this. He'll either go, make that little sound, and the dog will kind of come out of it. Or if that doesn't work, and I've seen him do it to all kinds of big, bad dogs, he'll go, 
and he'll, he'll act as if it's teeth biting the side of that dog. And all of a sudden, that dog looks startled. And you know what he's saying? I'm the pack leader. I'm the one in charge. You know, a lot of parents need to read a little bit of Caesar Milan. It's just good stuff. The reality is that our attitude will never be right until Jesus is the pack leader. Let me just tell you, until Jesus Christ is calling the shots in your life and my life, we're never going to have the right attitude. I even wrote this down. You may not like this, but I believe mental illness can come from a bad, negative, habitual, sickened attitude. Now, real quickly, a couple of points. Number one, joy is the key to a positive attitude. Let me say it again. Joy is the key to a positive attitude. Now, I'm not talking about happiness because sometimes happiness is not going to be a part of your life. Sometimes you and I are in situations, circumstances, that we're not happy. But how do you maintain a positive, joy-filled attitude when you're in a situation that is less than what you desire? You really don't like it because you understand that I'm in a life-changing personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He's Lord of my life. He's living in me. He's sovereign over my life. He has a plan and a purpose for my life, and I'm going to trust him. So I remain positive even when my situation, my circumstances are not. Now let me say something here. A Christian with a bad negative or even neutral attitude is a bad witness for Christ. If you've got a bad attitude, let me tell you something. You're going to affect the testimony and witness of Jesus Christ with the people that you are around. My dad laughed when I was talking about this. He said, you know, when we were growing up, he brought up something. My dad used to say this. He said, it looks like, son, you need an attitude adjustment. Boy, I knew what that meant. 15 pairs of underwear and in the bedroom waiting on him. You know, sometimes we need an attitude adjustment. How does that attitude adjustment begin? Look this way. It begins when you and I enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, when we truly are saved. Because if you and I are truly saved, then the reality is we'll have a good attitude positive attitude because we believe that he's Lord no matter how things may be. New Testament scholars say this about Philippians. They say the theme of Philippians is joy. The theme of it. In, in, for, in chapter 1 verse 4 it's, Paul said in all my prayers for all of you I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. You know what Paul was saying when it came to the church at Philippi? He said, every time I think about you, I'm filled with joy. I, I just have a joy in me. Paul said this in Galatians 5.22. He said, but the fruit of the Spirit, Christ living in you and I, is love, and listen to this, joy, kara in the Greek, cheerfulness. I love this. It's a calm delight, a gladness. Listen, a godly giddiness. You remember when you were a kid and it was Christmas Eve? And, and you, were, you were, you know, I don't know about you, but I just could not sleep. And you know, your parents come in and they threaten you. Santa Claus is not going to come until you go to sleep. And if you don't go to sleep, he's not going to come at all. And that would scare me. And I, 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 I have to almost act this out but I, I would be 
I would be laying there at night. Now I want you to watch this. I'd be laying there at night and I'd be laying in my bed and I'd be, I'd be trying to be real still, go to sleep and I'd pull the covers up and I'd go. <laughs> you ever do that? <laughs> a while back, I got up during the night, felt a closeness to the Lord and I went in there and I put a little pallet there on the fire in front of the fireplace in the living room and I laid down and I went because in that moment it was like the presence of God's Holy Spirit was in the living room it's a godly kiss why because that's the key to a positive attitude and when you walk into that office and when you walk into that home and when you walk into the life of your children. Yesterday, I walked into the home of a woman over 90 years old who's laying there and they're waiting for her to die, Lois Hudgens. And when I walk into a room like that, what I try to do, and I know Jeffrey's a hospital chaplain, what I try to do is I try to just literally fill that room with the power and the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and a positive attitude. And that's you and I. Joy is the key to a positive attitude. Secondly, and this is the last, Jesus is the example of a positive attitude. Watch how Paul describes Jesus. Your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, who being in the very form God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but look, but made himself nothing. You know, uh, Eric Seals and I were talking about this series called Chosen. I don't know if you've seen this, but it is so worth the watch. Chosen. You can even get the app, put it on your phone, you can watch it on your phone, Chosen. And what I love about it is that it shows a real and raw Jesus that is void of all the stereotypical religious jargon. He just seems to be so down to earth. There's a scene at one point where he looks at Peter. Peter's about to follow Jesus and, Mary, and, and Peter's wife, you remember the Bible says Peter's mother-in-law was sick, very sick. And so Jesus go, comes into the household and Peter's wife is there and the, her mother's back there sick, coughing, you can hear her struggling to breathe. And Jesus walks in and first of all, he looks at Peter's wife and he says, Peter, the apostle Peter's wife, he says, I know where you are. I know what you're going through and I'm getting ready to take some of that off of you. Now I want everybody to look this way. God knows where you are and what you're going through. Let me tell you something God never says. Whoops. God knows where you are. God knows what you're going through just in that, in that little segment right there. But I love this. He goes in there and he sits down and, and, and Peter's mother-in-law looks comatose and, and he reaches and he takes her hand and all of a sudden you see her just... And, and then she pops straight up she looks at Jesus and says, who are you? And Jesus kind of laughs and, and Peter says, uh, or Peter's wife says, mama, that's, this is Jesus. 
This is Jesus. She said, well, welcome to our home. And immediately she gets up scripturally sound and goes and begins to prepare a meal. And I love what Jesus does. When she's going off, Jesus looks at them and goes, you know, we, we have a hard time imagining Jesus just going, There's certain qualities that just separate Jesus from everybody, and it's humility. Humility is an attitude that is outward-focused. Now, I want you to listen. Humility is an attitude that Jesus exemplified. It is outward-focused. It is the key to a positive attitude. It is not inward-focused. It's outward-focused. Have you ever noticed, and I wrote this down, listen to this. Have you ever noticed that people who have a bad attitude are usually inward-focused? Have you ever noticed that? Everybody look this way. Have you ever noticed that people that have a bad attitude are inward focused? So let me tell you, the key to a positive, positive attitude is when you and I take our eyes off ourselves and we begin to look outward, we begin to look on other people. The reason that your attitude or my attitude can be sour and bad and negative is that often we are looking at the wrong thing. The writer of Hebrews said it in chapter 12, verse 2. Fix your eyes on... Wow. No wonder we're not winning a lost world. Fix your eyes on who? Jesus. Say it like you mean it. You know, sometimes we have to understand something. God... God, help me. Help me to have the kind of attitude about life. As I go through every day of my life, people would not see me. They would see Jesus. You know, teaching children to have a servant heart. The ability to wait and serve others. And it's a key. Well, I want us to stand. Let's stand. Let me pray for you this morning. Our Heavenly Father, we just come to you, and Lord, we just thank you and praise you. Lord, I ask you, dear Lord, to speak truth into the hearts of every man and woman, boy and girl right now. And Lord, may every person in this room realize that first of all, to have a good, positive, Christ-honoring, God-fearing, Good attitude, it begins by, first of all, giving our life to Christ. It begins by coming under the conviction of sin. It becomes, comes out of a repentant heart where we simply say, Lord, Lord, I ask you to come into my heart. Lord, I ask you to forgive me. Lord, I ask you to be the Lord and the master of my heart. Lord, take control of this life. For others in this room, they say, you know, Pastor, I've done that. I, I've been saved. I know that I'm saved, but I, I have to say, your, your sermon on attitude has convicted me because my attitude is not very good right now. For some of those people, they've been hurt. They've been wounded. And that neutral attitude or even that negative attitude has come from deep, hurt that is so wounded then they can't seem to get back on their feet again 
But Lord, I pray right now that the power of your Holy Spirit would move into their heart and set them free. I pray, dear Lord, right now that you would give them, you would give them strength and the courage. Give them the ability to forgive even the most hurtful, painful person or event they've gone through. Help them to let go of it, to be free of it, so that once again they can begin to have an attitude that is so Christ-like that they begin to tell people, let me tell you how bad my life was and let me tell you what Jesus did. Lord, I pray for others in this room. They've, They've just gotten sour about life. Uh, they, they listen to the news. Uh, they, they look at a lot of Facebook. Uh, they read a lot of blogs. They look at a lot of Twitter. And dear Lord, all of that is fed just a negative, bitter, just a sour attitude about, about life and about, about history and about where we are. Lord, I pray that you'd set them free. Help them to realize that God, you're sovereign, you're in control. And we can trust you. And when we can't see your hand, we we can trust your heart. You're still working. You're working in this country. You're working in this city. You're working around this world and you're working in us. Lord, I pray, dear Lord, today that when we leave this place, that we make a commitment. God, give me a better attitude. And I pray that it begins right here, right now, in this moment. So, Lord, whatever decision that needs to be made today, may it be made right now. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You come. You come. May never be a moment like this moment.